welcome to episode 21 of the Endurance Fuel podcast. This week we preview the 108th edition of the Tour de France. So episode 21 of the Endurance Fueled podcast in association with X-Miles and I'm your host Anthony Clark. And on this episode, Steve is back and we chat about the 108th edition of the Tour de France, our preview of the three weeks of cycling starting this Saturday, the 26th of June. We reviewed the 23 professional teams of eight riders and the routes covering some 3,600 kilometres. That's approximately 2,235 miles. So in updates and news, Today, the 23rd of June, the Thames Path 250 kicks off with John Stocker on the start line, fresh from his Backyard Ultra record. A few other X-Miles customers also on the start line, so wishing them all the best of luck. We have blogs from podium finishers Jack Galloway and Emmy Dixon on the website from the Centurion 100. And this weekend is also Western States weekend. Competitions and challenges. So the competition to win some Ufos sliders or sandals, X-Miles Eco Soft Cup, X-Miles Series 2 Cadence Hat, a bundle worth £75.90, be one of three lucky winners, get over to the website and enter the competition. And now for your X-Miles supported by Morton for June, where you could be one of three winners of a Morton Fuel Pack bundle. A quick recap. Your X-Miles is the Endurance Fuel Podcast X-Miles Activity Challenge, where you can turn your miles into prizes. Complete X number of miles, then use X words for your caption. For example, if you run 8 miles, then you've got 8 words to describe your session. You can run, bike, swim, hike, do whatever you want to build up your miles. Take a photo of your session and post it on Instagram with your chosen caption followed by your X-Miles to enter the challenge. We have selected an entry to read out on this week's show. Check out all the entries on Instagram following the hashtag YourXMiles. This week, we've selected Damien Carr's post, Damo Carr 83, D-A-M-O-C-A-R-R 83. And his caption is, Never give up, love running, YourXMiles. Now it's time to welcome Steve back for our Tour de France preview. Hi Steve. Hello, hello. Right, we're going to talk about the Tour de France. Oh, yeah, I, I would consider, consider myself uh, a cyclist that runs, but doesn't cycle much, as opposed to a runner. <laughs> but yeah, just running. Perfectly suited, because I know absolutely sod all, but yeah. like watching it. Yeah. I run more than I ride, just because I'm better at it. But yeah, in an ideal world. <laughs> so for two, well, for one definitely non-cyclist to uh, a cycling fan, um, we are going to talk about the Tour de France because we want to cover off one of the biggest endurance sports events on the planet. Well, the biggest, I guess, as far as, yeah, so they brag as far as global um, viewing figures go and yeah. certainly hype. So sort of Tour de France, stage race over three weeks, starting this year, Saturday 26th of June, running to the 18th of July involving 23 professional teams and now eight riders per team which was changed last year as 
Steve just told me off air when I told him it was nine. Well, I think the idea was to bring it, make it a smaller peloton, make it safer. So I think what they did was uh, reduce the team's team sizes, but then chuck an extra team in. So that kind of eliminated that. So but whatever. That sounds like we can make more money by having extra teams and yeah. less riders. Yeah, spot on. So it uh, covers approximately 3,600k, 2,235 miles. Televised on ITV4, Eurosports and GCN. Normally we're a live show and a highlight show on most channels. I usually watch it on ITV4 because I just turn it on when I get in. Yep. And you watch it on I GCN? I generally watch it on my phone on GCN, um, usually on catch-up. So as long as I can avoid finding out the result in between leaving work and getting home and turning my phone on, then that's a bonus. So um, 23 competing teams. I guess near enough the, the same teams as most years, and there's a yeah. So it's all all the, all the world tour teams because all the world well not the world not called world tour they're called world teams these days. They they all have to compete anyway because they do in all of the three grand tours, and then they get the their four choices of um, wildcard teams. Which this year, if memory serves me right, is Alpecin Phoenix, who presumably got in as their wildcard team because they got Matteo van der Poel who's going to be ideally looking to get yellow in the first couple of days. Um, B&B Hotels, because they're a French team and they like doing that sort of thing. And the other two, which will be Arkea Samsig, which will be another French team with Nero Quintana and Total Direct Energy, which used to be Team Europe Car, the other French team. So they've got all of the three Pro Conti or, uh, French teams and they've chosen as their foreign wildcard, Alpecin Phoenix, because yeah, they've got a pretty big profile and are, are going to feature in a lot, of, a lot of stages, especially early on. So, as always, lots of team name changes because new sponsorship and new bikes per teams and there's been quite yeah. a few switchovers on bike brands and bits Yeah, like so like team-wise, I mean, AG2R, what was AG2R Le Mondial was now AG2R Citroen and they've switched over and they're on BMC this year, partly because Greg Van Avermaet went over to them and he brought BMC with him, I think, from what I can gather. Astana have changed their name to Astana Premier Tech, but they're still Astana, so that's basically the Kazakhstan-sponsored national team. Bahrain Merida have changed their name to Bahrain Victorious, which seemed a little bold at the start of the year, but if you've watched anything in the last five or six weeks, they've certainly started being a bit victorious. So that's come out quite nicely. Bora haven't changed their name. Cofidis is still Cofidis. De Koenig Quickstep are De Koenig Quickstep for until the end of next season, then they're changing their names again. EF, which was Garmin, which was Slipstream, which was everyone here now. EF Education Nippo, and they'll be back in pink after their sort of voyage into a bit of multicoloured nonsense <laughs> at the Giro. <laughs> Ineos are still Ineos, which was Sky. Um, Wanty Group Gobert are now Intermarche, Wanty Gobert, and they've gone up to World Tour this year, so now rather than trying to get a wild card, they're in every year. Israel, worse Israel Cycle Academy, now they're an Israel startup nation. Same team, weird sponsor name. <laughs> Yumbo Visma and Visma are still the same. Lotto Sudal are the same team they've been more or less for the last 25 years. Movistar is still Movistar, which was Benesto, which was Reynolds, which was every Spanish team going back to 1970. Bike Exchange is Orica Green Edge. Okay. So that's the Australian. Yeah. yeah. DSM is what used to be Sunweb. So they've just basically gone from a white kit with black stripes down the front to a black stripe strip with blue ones down the front, but it's the same team. Um, Quebec Assos is what was originally MTN Quebec, which was is basically the, the South African team. Um, Trek, a Trek, they're still the same team. UAE Emirates is obviously the team of our title holder, of uh, Tally Bocaccia's team. So they're still the same team as they were last year. A little bit stronger. 
and yeah, then we're back to back to our wild cards again. So yeah, all the world tour teams and the four wild cards, slightly mixed up teams. Um, there's a few riders that are going to be doing this that did the Giro, but mostly speaking, it's sort of different leaders. There, there isn't anyone really going for GC in this that went for GC in the Giro. That was only about four weeks ago, so I'm not surprised. So route-wise, sometimes they've had a split where it's been in England, Belgium, Italy, Spain to start it, the first stage. It, it looks like it's all in France, which I would imagine is probably a good idea. Because, yeah, yeah quarantine-wise, that would have been a good idea if they'd started in Germany and then all of a sudden couldn't leave. <laughs> yeah, a 14-day rest after 14-day rest day, yeah, that would have been a great... Yeah, so, yeah, they're not going. They're not going out. Actually, the only place they're going, they're going into Andorra. They're going into Andorra at the start of the Pyrenees and stuff, so stage 15, and they've got a rest day in Andorra. So as long as Andorra don't go into lockdown in the, middle, in the middle of July. professional sports get away with it anyway. I yeah, think. it's more of the entourage with them that I was thinking of. Leaving the other side of the border. Yeah, same country more or less, anyway. It's just... Right, so looking at the route, Grand Depart is... Brittany. So we've got, we've got four days in Brittany, so that's sort of... Judging by the name, it's near Britain. It's up in top left-hand corner. Um, so top left-hand corner, Brittany roads generally tend to be a little bit like English roads, to be fair. Windy, up and down, narrow. Potholes. Potholes. Oh, <laughs> probably not, because yeah, they, yeah, they resurface it. I don't think they get as much traffic as we do. Well, they, they resurface, don't they? Yeah. Weeks before, they just go through and resurface all the roads for the tours. Yeah, so. so it's usually a little bit nervous up there. First week of the tour is usually crazy anyway, because everyone's on flying form and everyone wants to go on telly before it starts getting too hard. Um, so, you know, usually a lot of crashes. Stage two is the big sort of, the first shake-up really. They finish on the Murder Britannia, which is like a, a short, punchy climb, which should see yellow jersey being fought out for between, as long as everything has gone sort of normally on stage one, which should be the sort of the normal sort of sprinters that can go up a hill a bit. So you're looking at Matthew van der Poel and Peter Sagan maybe. Giacomo Nuzzolo, Sonny Colbrelli. So the Wout van Aert, if he's allowed to sprint, and he's not on sort of domestic duty. Van der Poel is obviously the big favourite. I mean, he's sort of already stated that he wants the yellow because his granddad didn't get it. Because Matteo van der Poel's granddad was Raymond Polidor, who was the eternal second to Jacques Anquetil in the 60s. And apparently he said to him, when I go to the tour, I'm going to do what you didn't and get the yellow jersey. So That's nice to you, granddad. I'm going to be better than you. Well, I don't think he's going to be better than him, but he's certainly going to try and bring bring that home. Bring a jersey. And again, I'm guessing with... Because van der Poel's targeting mountain bike at the Olympics which is a week after the tour whether he goes the distance over all the way to Paris I don't know so he probably might like to make a splash in the big in a big splash in the first week and then maybe drop out when they get to the hills so that he can get back on the mountain bike again <laughs> as you do when you're good <laughs> and then where do we head after that well we got yeah well after those four days in Britannia so whoever gets a yellow jersey on that stage if they've got a 10 or 20 second gap then They'll be looking to hold the jersey until we get to stage five, which is a 27k TT. So that should be the first GC shakeup. So what we should see there, I don't know if it's a if it's a hilly time trial or whether it's a flattish one, but either way, we should be looking at Pogacar and Roglic and Thomas and the GC time trialists trying to do a trying to put a bit of a shift in and sort of certainly not necessarily go into the lead but give themselves you know get themselves up there and certainly not lose time from there we're going down to the alps so by stage eight so after just after the first week there's two alps mountaintop finishes we've got colder colombier on stage eight and team 
on stage nine. That must be somewhere near where, where you go in the summer, must yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So teen was the one that didn't happen uh, a few years ago when the snow came in. Oh, yeah, day. yeah. So they basically, everyone was up on the mountain waiting to watch it come in and they didn't make it. They came down through Velde's Air and then they stopped the race, didn't they? So yeah. they didn't. So you come down from Velde's Air and you've basically got uh, probably a 15k flat stage going and then you go back up to teen. So um, I don't know what the stage is in teen and it looks like it's ending in teen so they are finished yeah but yeah i imagine it's a mountaintop so, finish so so again that's where you're looking at you know anyone that happened to be a time trialist who hung on to that stage is going to be sort of a uh, bouncing their way out of the top 10 on gc and being replaced by the favorites at that stage you've then got uh, presumably a transition stage at stage 10 and then they're going across to the stage that finishes on top of the von two on st- Actually, yeah, I think, presume it finishes on top of the Von 2 on stage 11, but even if it doesn't finish on top, then it's going over it. So that's certainly uh, another another mountainous one. Uh, again, another couple of sprinter stages, uh, 12, 13 and 14. Then we're off down to Andorra, and we've got a stage in Andorra, a re- which is going to be a mountainous stage. Then we've got a rest day, and then they've got two big Pyrenean stages where they go stage 17 up the Col de Perisord and the Col de Porte, and stage 18 over the Tourmalet and finishing at Luzardi Den. So that's going to be whatever happened in the Alps. Is anyone going to be able to drag their form back in time for the Pyrenees? Or is anyone going to have sort of uh, blown it in the Alps, have nothing left for the Pyrenees? Once you get start past age 18, obviously we're getting towards the end of it. And then there's a stage 20, so not the last stage, but the stage before. We've got a 30 kilometre TT to again sort that, out. Is that sort individual out the, team? All individual. All there's, individual. No, there's no team one this year. Okay. Um, so altogether, 57 k's of TTs over the two time trials, which is quite heavy for Tour de France these days. When the organisers were looking to try and get Roman Bardet to win it, or looking for a French winner who couldn't TT, they were putting very few time trial kilometres in. Now they think they've probably realised that actually the French haven't really got a GC favourite at the moment, although maybe Alaphilippe, if he can drag it out, they've put a few more TT kilometres in, so it's going to favour the climbers that can time trial as well. So, yeah. And then, obviously, we've got the, the final stage into Paris, which I guess is going to look a little bit different this year. I presume they're going to go up and down the Champs-Élysées ten times, but I can't imagine there'll be a million people hanging over the barriers. No, it'd be interesting, isn't it? I guess they I guess they could shut that whole area off so you can't get into it. So it's a bit like yeah. London Marathon bit, isn't it? They, you know, they, they've got the ability to say... Tour de France is coming in and we're just going to shut it for the day and, and so they won't have any spectators but yeah it'd be interesting to see because they can't control it on the course and you do get some pretty mental hills uh, yeah I, I guess mean, they could stop people going up they did they did a few years ago they stopped in people the, going up the yeah. hall too and things like that because of too many people and they and they do stop people going up because they know that there is a capacity of going yeah. so they could they could just shut the mountain. In the Giro uh, the other week, the, for things climbs like the Zonkalan, they had a limit of a thousand people or so that were allowed to go up the cable cars, and they weren't letting cars up there. But if people walked or cycled up, there wasn't much they could do about it. So there were smaller crowds. Yeah. And again, what, what they're going to be like in France, I'm not quite sure how restricted it is there at the moment, or whether there's internal restrictions on travel. <laughs> I'm guessing there aren't going to be thousands of Brits over there. I don't know. I don't think the French know. Let them. <laughs> Well, there, there could be Brits up there because you can travel as long as you can isolate for fourteen days. Then you can travel. Anyone that's you know is prepared to do that could go over. But yeah, I, I think, suppose if you've got the summer off, then I don't think there's going to be that much of that. But no, it's probably not the best year for it. To be fair, is it? So, is there a standout favourite, or have we got 
a number of DC contenders? Well, there's two. I mean, it's being billed by pretty much everyone and everyone is the there's the two Slovenians against Team Ineos. So you're looking at Tadej Pogacar, last year's winner, Ryan Finn, Team UAE Emirates. He hasn't raised a massive amount this year. Um, he did a bit of the classic stuff, but he didn't do the Dauphiné. He didn't do Tour de Suisse, which are the two normal build-up races. He did the Tour of Slovenia, just because he's never done it before and he wanted to win a stage. And he wanted to presumably wave at the crowd a bit. So he did that and he won that. Um, he is being seen mostly as being even better form than he was last year and is the big favourite. Primoz Roglic is the, obviously the other Slovenian that led for it all last year until he lost it in the time trial at the end. He, again, hasn't raced. He raced at the start of the spring and he did really well in the classics. Then he deliberately has been on a tight um, altitude camp for about the last six weeks. Hasn't raced since the classics. Deliberately skipped the Dauphiné and Tour de Suisse because he's been trying to stop that regular thing of going brilliantly for the first two weeks and then fizzling out. So he's sort of think, think, trying to come in a little bit undercooked or under the radar a little bit and then be stronger into, th into th three weeks. They're the two big favourites. Ineos have got potentially four leaders, which is going to be slightly confusing. Ineos have got, they've got Geraint Thomas, who go, I guess if they're going for the experienced one. They've got Rich Carapaz, who just won Tour de Suisse and won the Giro last year, year before last. Year before last. So he's, I think, probably their strongest bet. They've also got Richie Port, who just won the Dauphiné, but signed for them to be a domestique. So I'm guessing he's not going to be team leader, although he could end up being the first one. And they've also got Togain Hart, who won the Giro last year. So they've got four leaders, four don't go into one. So at some point in that first week and a half, they're going to have to decide who's the, who's the leader. So they haven't, they haven't nominated one. They're just, not officially, no. but I would imagine it's Carapaz and Thomas as the t two with Port and Teo trying not to lose time in case they're needed to be GC riders, but are mainly on support role. And then they've obviously got their, you know, their, their non-GC riders. They're the sort of the standout ones. Movistar have got th three, which is pretty standard procedure for them. They've got uh, Miguel Angel Lopez, Enrique Mas, and old man Valverde, who's 41, 42, um, but I'm sure he will drag himself into the top 10 at some point. Who else have we got? Oh, if Roglic doesn't fire for Jumbo, then they've got Sepp Kuss or Steven Kreuzweg. I don't know if Tom de Moulin's going or not. He rode well last week, but I doubt it. Julian Alaphilippe is a bit of a wild card for Quickstep. Nearly won it two years ago, sort of when he wasn't really supposed to, and now he's sort of supposedly going for GC, but whether he does or not, we shall see. There's a few outsiders. You've got sort of Esteban Chavez from Bike Exchange, but again, top 10, I guess, is as good as it's going to get there. Wilco Kelderman from Bora, again, top 10, top 5. Bahrain Merida have been going great, or Bahrain Victorious. I've got Jack Haig and potentially Mikel Lander. I don't know if he got chosen or not. Chris Froome's going. Oh, is he? Chris Froome's going uh, with Israel Startup Nation. He's not in great form. I don't think it's any great surprise to sort of see after the bad accident he had two years ago that he's going to be nowhere near winning GC. He's been being dropped in all of the uh, in the warm-up races, despite obviously trying his hardest. So I think he's going there mainly as team captain, stroke, support rider. And I think they've nominated Michael Woods, the Canadian, to be their GC rider. Who's going well? He, you know, he went well at Tour de Suisse, and they've got Dan Martin there looking for stage stages. 
Jakob Fuglsang will be there for Astana as well. Rigoberto Ran, who three weeks ago I would have said had no chance at all, um, rode amazingly at the Tour de Suisse, nearly won it. So he's back in with a shout. Um, he, uh, 33, 34 years old. Um, so yeah, uh, GC should be top, you know, the top two should be who they were last year, unless stuff goes wrong, which it inevitably does. And then you've got a bit of a bum fight underneath that for someone to jump up there and get amongst them and then the top 10 will sort of sort it sort themselves out around there okay so who's gonna win <sighs> who do who's gonna win or do we want to win no, um oh both both who's gonna know. win who do you think's gonna win because i'm gonna pull you up on this when it's finished and who's gonna win um i think pogachar's gonna win i kind of think I want him to, but I'm not entirely sure why I want him to. Um, I haven't really got any affection for any of the teams. You know, there's always that, you know, there's the eternal debates, so, you know, on, when you see online about which teams do people prefer and don't people don't like Team Sky or any else because of various different pieces, but uh, I haven't really got any great affiliation to any team. And to be honest, when you look at all those teams, there's, you know, even the teams that get the good press, I don't know why they get the good press. The, team, the teams are the teams. The teams have been around for years. They change their names. It's still the same teams. You know, you can trace pretty much every team back 10, 20, 30 years. So it's a bit, unfortunately, it's a bit like athletics at the moment. You don't even know who's kind of cheating and who's not cheating. So actually, it's just kind of worth watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you, you have to, to a certain degree, have a certain amount of cynicism when you watch any professional sport, whether that be anything from football to athletics to cycling to swimming to absolutely any, anything, probably golf and snooker as well. But, but it's good TV. But it is good TV. And yeah, I, I think to a certain degree, things are fairly, they're probably as good as they've been for a long time. They're certainly better than they were in the 90s in the early noughties as far as that grey areas or not particularly grey areas in certain cases um, but yeah it's like it's still the same team management and the same, t same team doctors as it was in those days so you know that's only a, a cross your fingers and hope for a case on that one but yeah it is what it is as far as the green jersey goes so sprinter wise um, Caleb Ewan I would suggest is probably the number one sprinter in the world at the moment certainly on a flat finish Sam Bennett has got the best lead out. It looks like he's going to be there. After Tour of Belgium last week, Cavendish won a couple of stages, including one against pretty much everyone. And I was going to say, he's, he is racing again, isn't he? So yeah, he's, he's not going to be doing the Tour, though. He's not doing the Tour. No. It looked like last week, he only got put into quick step as a, it was kind of a bit of a favour and he brought a few sponsors with him to sort of have, try and have a, a last good year. Um, with not many high expectations, but it's actually been better this year than I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. Last week, Sam Bennett had an injury, couldn't race Tour of Belgium, Cavendish rode it, took a really good win, and they were talking, if Bennett's not fit, Cav will ride, but it looks like Bennett's going to be fit, so it looks like Cav won't. Um, Viviani will ride, hasn't been particularly good this year. Demar will be the big French hope, riding along in potentially the French Championships jersey, depending on how the French Championship goes tomorrow. Um, Christophe will be there for the... With, with Greipel representing the sort of older generation shall we say Sagan will presumably go for green again Van Aert could do if he's allowed to but again I think he'll be riding up mountains in front of Roglic for most of the race so yeah there's a few sprint stages it's not 10 I think there's half a dozen sprint stages one of the first two and um, the last one cool so as a 
tech geek or, 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 or kind of a fan of what what people bring out is that have you got a favorite bike team bike or new tech or anything? Uh, there's stage five will be an interesting one because of the time trial that's when you usually see a bit of kit that hasn't been seen before most of the teams are presumably beyond the same bike that they've been riding all year a lot of them changed at the end of last year there was a bit there was a bit of a switch around bmc went to ag2r there was a bit of a a three-way switch yumbo got rid of bianchi and got in cervello bike exchange got in bianchi and got rid of scott and dsm or what was somewhere, got rid of Cervelo and, and got in Scott. So there was a three-way switch around with teams there on bikes. Every other team stayed more or less on the same bikes, as far as I remember. The specialised teams are still on them. Um, Sky, Ineos stayed with Pinarello. Everyone stayed pretty much the same. Um, Cannondale had a new TT bike at the Tour de Swiss. Um, Iran rode it and won the time trial by a lot. Whether that was, How much of that was bike and how much of that was him coming down out of six months hibernation in Colombian altitude. I'm not entirely sure, but there's going to be some time trial stuff around. There's a new Cervelo road bike that some of the guys have been riding this year at Jumbo Visma that hasn't really been named yet, but seems to have been sort of like one that's presumably going to get released next year. Other than that, I think we'll see pretty much the same kit. There's a new Dura race out I saw last week, which is a sort of a 12-speed Dura race whether any of the teams will be on that this year or whether they've got enough of it to give it to all of their riders and have it on all their spare bikes or whether they'll still be on this year's current kit is probably more likely. But yeah, same. other than that, unless there's some weird stages, certainly the, the time trial in the Tour de Suisse was interesting. It went up a mountain and then went down a mountain. So that made kit choice weird. People were riding road bikes, some were riding TT bikes, some were riding road bikes with TT wheels, some were riding TT bikes with road wheels, and some were wearing aero helmets, and some were wearing road helmets. It was a right old mix, but I think it's going to be a little bit more clear-cut than that at the Tour. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, that gives us a good insight into what's going to happen. I reckon that we do, a, if not a full Tour de France repeat uh, in a couple of weeks, just before the final final week of the Tour, just to see how things go, and if anything happened, it's quite... Uh, quite amusing we can add that into a yeah when we get there we realise that both the Slovenians crash out in the first week yeah and, and three te- teams get chucked out when the police raid their hotels <laughs> it, it, it may it may make a, an, another decent podcast if not we'll just do a, a short one and add it on to an uh, interview with and, uh, yeah, no, yeah I told you so one yeah <laughs> cool thank you Steve no worries and uh, yeah speak soon Episode 21 of the Endurance Fuel Podcast with Anthony Clark, in association with X-Miles and supported by Morton. The podcast and show is available to follow on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please show your support and rate and review.